Thanks for choosing a 3CR podcast. Throughout June 2021, we're running our annual Radiothon when we ask you, the listener, to make a donation so that we can continue to make great radio. Your donation will help keep us community-owned and community-controlled. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. And with that done, please enjoy your podcast. Well, good afternoon, listeners. This is the DOGS Program, the Australian Council for Defence of Government Schools. We're here every Saturday at 12 noon on the dot. Uh, thanks to Dale, who is uh, really our, our producer, and she manages the Zoom. So here we are Zooming so that we can bring you the news for the week. And there's some very interesting news. Uh, we have a press release 909, uh, which... Uh, deals with the fact that came into the age this week and uh, a few other papers as well, uh, the private schools are continuing to rot the system because they actually got the wealthy ones, got not all of them, but just the wealthy ones from what I can see, got $750 million, even though they really weren't lacking a buck at all, just like the other businesses that um, rorted the system to the tune of billions and billions. I think it's something like $27 billion, according to some, some uh, um, people who've been adding it up. And it looks as if the Australian Taxation Office aren't necessarily going to go after it. But this is money that our young people are going to have to pay back over the next few decades. So uh, we're very interested in the way uh, this rorting has continued. As well as that, uh, we've got um, an article by Parsi Salberg. Australian politicians trust scientists on COVID, so why don't they listen to teachers on school reform? <laughs> a very interesting article indeed. And Jeff is here. He's a parent and he's going to talk about other parents and their opinions uh, from Mamma Mia. And uh, Maddie's going to tell us about the high levels of public trust and value for our Australian teachers. So our politicians should perhaps be listening to them. Dale's going to tell us about a very interesting article from the Financial Review, I think it was. Uh, people aren't uh, necessarily going to spend a lot of money on school fees for private schools. They are taking uh, our advice and they're thinking about their mortgages. And so they're going to places where there's a good state school. And, of course, we tell people about good state schools every week, don't we? We've got a very interesting one today. And um, Sorrel is here and she's going to tell us about what's happening up in New South Wales where it is projected that there'll be a, an avalanche of enrolments in state schools in the west of Sydney and there are teachers to teach them. So it is actually about time our rather incompetent um, politicians in Canberra and even in the state started thinking about how they treat teachers if they want, in fact, our children to be taught in our schools in the near future. Okay, let's get on with it, shall we? Press release 909, private schools continue to rot the system, the rich get richer, but the middle classes, question mark. Um, and Oliver's going to lead off. Over to you, Oliver. Thank you, Jean. The private education sector in Australia have thwarted the needs policy since it was introduced by the Whitlam government in 1973. The wealthy schools have always made sure they received their pound of taxpayers' flesh. But the latest example of the favouritism shown in these institutions by the Morrison government beggars belief. When the plague reached Australia and the country locked down, the federal treasurer panicked when he saw the Centrelink queues. He came up with the $88 billion JobKeeper scheme. And forgetting all the hype about public debt, 
place the coming generations into hock. JobKeeper was designed for private, not public, businesses that would lose money. In his haste, Treasurer Frydenberg neglected to introduce clawback clause in the legislation for those businesses that in fact made a profit out of the pandemic. And profits were made at taxpayers' expense to the tune of at least $27 billion. Private schools and universities received large payments from the scheme, and their staff were paid, but public universities and schools did not. Yes, a lot of um, a lot of academics lost their job uh, last year, uh, whereas those that went to the private universities like Bond University and uh, the Catholic universities and so on, they were well paid. Um, and also uh, churchmen were paid. Uh, it didn't matter which religion you belonged to, um, all the ministers were paid. So um, one wonders really where the values of this Morrison government and Mr. Bridenberg really are. But um, it was very interesting because um, Michael Roden, a senior company's reporter from the Financial Review, investigated the private school handouts and he discovered that private schools, including the most wealthy, received about $750 million. And on October the 6th, this is what he wrote, and Jeff will read it for us. Yeah, um, thanks, Jean. Figures provided to the Parliament by the ATO show 700 private schools received JobKeeper payments, or about 20% of all non-government organisations classed as being in the school industry by the ABS, Australian Bureau of Statistics. Geelong Grammar received more than $8 million in stimulus handouts. The ATO identified just $12 million in overpayments made to non-government schools that have been subjected to compliance probes after payment had been made. As there is no public register of JobKeeper payments, unlike the comparable scheme in New Zealand, the disclosure of how much the wage subsidy went to, or how much of it went to non-government schools was made in a patchwork fashion to the Australian charities and not-for-profit commission. This has shown many wealthy private schools gained eligibility to the program in many cases where revenue did not fall by the required 15% for not-for-profit organisations. However, many were boarding schools which suffered a decline in turnover when regional and interstate students were barred from attending. In Sydney, the King's School recorded an $8.5 million increase in other income that included JobKeeper, while Mariah College booked $6.8 million in the stimulus payments. The North Shore's Glenean Rudolph Steiner School received almost $2 million, while St Paul's International School in Mossvale received $1.3 million. Elite Melbourne School Wesley College received $18.2 million in JobKeeper. Was that $18.2 million to, to uh, Wesley College? Yeah, but recorded a 2020 surplus of 2.1 million. Brighton's St Leonard's School chalked up, chalked up a 6.2 million payment. Penn Lee and Essendon Grammar received 9 million, while Geelong Grammar booked 8.3 million, recording a surplus of 7.2 million. Bailick College received 7 million. Brisbane's Genesis Christian College received 4.8 million. And 5.75 million went to Rockhampton Grammar. Regular businesses were required to register or reasonably forecast a 30% revenue in decline in a month or a quarter from the end of March, while the large companies and multinationals had to register a 50% turnover decline. Most of the non-government schools also received millions in federal and state funding at the same time. Although the Turnbull government passed the needs-based funding model in 2017, which contributed an extra $23.5 billion to schools over a decade. A long-running stoush with the independent school sector was quashed when Scott Morrison became Prime Minister and gave Catholic and non-government schools a further $4.6 billion over the decade. They like to pontificate, don't they, these uh, politicians, with how much largesse they can give. And pontificate is being the, <laughs> the, the uh, operative word, given that the... Very religious uh, Prime Minister and also New South Wales Premier uh, would love to pontificate. The ATO well, also of, disclosed... Of course, um, of course there's that was me, no but, mention not. here of what's happened to the, the religious schools that actually are, are systemic, the systemic religious schools which are run by bureaucracy because millions and 
perhaps even billions, were given to the bureaucracies, weren't they? They certainly so gained, they gained no the system. Yeah, yeah. They gained the system often um, using, you know, uh, inappropriate calculations in order to put up their argument. So ones who were meant to use uh, a 15% decline might have not made that much. Some people who were meant to use a 30%, use the 30% decline when 50% was what they needed to do, uh, mm. often big multinationals. Mm. The ATO also disclosed for the first time to the parliamentary inquiry into JobKeeper the total share of recipients with annual revenue of more than 10 million. Labor and independent Senator Rex Patrick are pushing to create a public register of JobKeeper recipients with more than 10 million in annual turnover a move that is being fiercely resisted by the government and ATO Commissioner Chris Jordan. Of the 88.8 billion, 88 .8 billion paid during the scheme, 24.7 billion went to that group, consulting, constituting 20,800 businesses. That's a groups with more than 10 million annual turnover. A total of 44 billion went to businesses with less than 10 million, and the remainder of 9.6 billion went to the non-profit groups. JobKeeper lacked oversight, an oversight body for five months. The data shows that my transparency amendment would cover 20,800 big businesses who together received $25 billion in JobKeeper, Senator Patrick said. <clears throat> Senator Patrick is encouraging businesses that did not suffer the requisite fall in venue or that were profitable after receiving the payments to return the money to the ATO. <laughs> Working off, yeah, that's likely to happen, mm. Working off New Zealand's experience where 5.25% of all JobKeeper payments was returned in re response to transparency, that would return $1.3 to taxpayers, he said. That would still only be the tip of the iceberg, but much better than the paltry returns we've seen so far. I think Jerry Harvey gave back a small amount, mainly because he was suffering for it, the publicity. Although the JobKeeper scheme is credited with saving thousands of jobs during the COVID-19 crisis, the program has copped criticism after the Independent Parliamentary Budget Office this, in August this year identified $13 billion in JobKeeper payments to businesses that recorded increases in revenue during the crisis. This was a cohort of 195,381 firms that received JobKeeper payments but posted an increase in business revenue during the first six months of the program last year. While $4.61 billion was paid, to 157,650 firms, which recorded higher revenue in the first three months of the program, the value of payments to firms posting increases in revenue almost doubled to 8.43 billion to 195,381 companies between July and September. There's a lot of figures here. Dogs note that the windfall enjoyed by the wealthy private schools in Australia is symptomatic of the contempt with which these exclusivist institutions institutions treat the Australian taxpayer. Granting them public money has been tried and found wanting. The only way to rein in their rorting of the tax system is to stop state aid. Listen yes, to the well, dogs program. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's been our position. It's um it just goes on and on and on, doesn't it? Oh, and it's like kleptocracy. Yes. Tremendous hypocrisy. No clep um, kleptocracy. <laughs> <laughs> kleptocracy being a, a government by thieves. Yes, well, our big problem also is that it's not just a kleptocracy. In these cases, it's also a theocracy or it's getting close to a theocracy. But those are, I, I, I suspect, the tip of the iceberg. But um, what could our little state schools that are just, you know, in such terrible trouble with disadvantaged children, just think what they could have done? With all of that money, those millions, it's um, it's uh, uh, yeah. I think the, the figures speak for themselves. But we'll have a bit of a break, and we'll come back. Um, and Soros going to tell us about what Parsi Salberg has to say. Kafirs are Palestinian scarves and they're a symbol of support for justice for the Palestinian people. Buying one will support the last remaining factory in Hebron that makes kafirs and all proceeds from the sales support projects in Palestine, especially Gaza, as well as local solidarity organisations. From the traditional black and white kafir to an array of modern designs, all scarves are just $30 each. 
explore the range and order online or drop by 3CR during business hours. We're your support for the rights of Palestinians. Go to kufiyas.org.au. That's K-U-F-I-Y-A-S.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Well, you're listening, I hope, still to the Dogs Programme. And uh, we, we like to let you know about teachers and parents here also, in our public schools, of course. And Parsi Salberg from the Gonski Institute in the University of New South Wales is writing and uh, he's asking a question. Australian politicians trust scientists on COVID. Why don't they listen to teachers on school reform? Over to you, Sorrel. Thanks, Jean. So, yeah, Australian politicians do trust scientists on COVID. Why don't they listen to teachers on school reform? Education systems that treat teachers as trusted professionals adjusted better to the pandemic disruption, research says. Schools have become complex places to teach and learn. Teachers need time and support from colleagues to find the best ways to cope. If remote learning has shown parents anything, it is a renewed appreciation for the job that teachers do. Now, as teachers return to school in the coming weeks, at least in New South Wales, it's a chance to ask some consequential questions. Are the teacher policies what they should be to improve education in these uncertain times? Is teaching such an attractive career choice that there will be enough qualified teachers in all parts of this country? Can we promise that all children will have a teacher who is able to teach the complex skills and knowledge they will need in life? The short answer to all these questions is unfortunately no. Right now, Australia and many other countries are facing serious teacher shortages. Many teachers are leaving the profession before they reach their fifth year. At the same time, the number of young people interested in becoming teachers has declined. Another challenge is that the expected growth in the population in Australia means a significant number of new teachers will be needed in schools. In New South Wales alone, the authorities estimate a 20% increase in student numbers by the end of this decade. This means that thousands more well-educated teachers will be needed soon. We need to quickly find sustainable ways to improve the status of the profession in Australia. That requires a rethink of current teacher policies that prioritise competition and compliance over policies designed to address collaborative professionalism for student learning in schools. Importing teachers from overseas without improving the teaching conditions of current teachers is the wrong answer to a real problem. In Finland, where I began my career as a teacher, it is the culture of professional collaboration that has done so much to improve the educational performance of schools. I'm talking to teachers in Australian schools and I'm amazed by the level of administrative and compliance work they're required to undertake. Uh, I think our listeners should understand that this is Parsi Salvin yes, who comes sorry. from Finland and that Finland tops, tops all of the countries in its educational performance. So um, he's actually telling us in Australia what you have to do if you want to uh, be as good as Finland. Thanks, Sorrel. Yes, um, that work uh, that they're required to undertake, the administrative and compliance work, is often of little value to children's learning and well-being at school. Is a significant factor in the excessive workload that they have, limiting the time teachers have for students or collaboration with their colleagues. It's no wonder that many teachers feel exhausted and overwhelmed. Teachers in all high-performing education systems today spend less time filling in forms or writing reports and more of their working time, just like all other professionals, improving teaching and learning in their schools. This is happening in Asian education superpowers like Singapore and Japan. It has been a part of school culture in Canada and Finland for a while. But it's, we've had all of these administrative um, tasks given to our teachers because they have decentralised so much of public education and um, the responsibilities have been decentralised, not the real power. Um, this is the basic problem and the teachers are on the front line. 
are receiving all of this extra work. Mm. Schools in Australia have become complex places to teach and learn. Our recent research showed that nine out of 10 teachers think the number of students with social, emotional and cognitive challenges has increased during the last five years. Teachers need time and support from colleagues to find the best ways to cope with these new challenges in classrooms. To be independent and responsible professionals, teachers need more time to collaborate with one another. They also need to have the time to consider how they can determine what students with vastly different needs are really learning and how best to support them. Professional collaboration is particularly beneficial for early career teachers who need to have a successful start in their careers. Research shows that the more teachers collaborate, the more everybody benefits, including students. Furthermore, when schools collaborate and help one another improve, the pace of change can exceed expectations. International organizations are collecting data from different countries about how they responded to the COVID-19 pandemic and how it has affected education. According to the OECD and UNESCO, those education systems that regard teachers as trusted professionals and have more flexible structures seem to adjust more successfully to the disrupted education. They often find better pedagogical solutions faster to keep children learning during the remote learning. In other words, where teachers are trusted, schools are more agile during turbulent situations. The other takeaway from the global pandemic is that politicians have trusted virologists and health scientists in deciding how to respond to the virus. Political decisions about coping with the crisis and the way ahead have been made based on the best of what science and expert advice has to offer. One reason for common disappointment in education reforms is failure to listen to education experts in designing and implementing these reforms. Politicians need to trust teachers and their collective professional wisdom more in determining how to improve teaching and learning in schools. As teachers in New South Wales return to the classroom, the profession deserves more than thanks from grateful parents, politicians and the community at large. When teachers are truly valued and listened to and have the time they need to collaborate, we are more likely to give positive answers to the consequential questions above. And let's be honest, inadequate teacher pay is a significant reason for many young people to consider other career options before teaching. Teachers deserve a pay that fairly reflects the responsibilities they face in this increasingly complex profession. By doing this, we also send a powerful signal to the community that teaching is a profession worth devoting your working life to. And there you are. Thank you very much. Uh, this uh, article appeared in a Teacher magazine and um, uh, it got a tremendous number of responses. Uh, it also appeared in The Guardian. And um, Dale's going to tell us about some of the letters that were written to The Guardian in response to Parsi Salberg's article. Over to you, Dale. Thank you, Jean. Uh, yes, Rock51 says, I was a high school teacher in southwest Sydney for over 30 years. And in that time, my own children said that they would never follow my wife and I into teaching. Having retired now, it is terrible to see LNP government dismantle the state system through casualisation of its younger teacher cohort, increase the admin for teachers to unmanageable levels, call teachers valued professionals and then treat them like dirt and giving them a laughable pay rise. At the same time, we have a clueless education minister who wants to rehash failed past policies with big media announcements as if all the hard work is done now. Both my children get paid far more than teachers, yet their contribution to the health of society is minimal. Teachers, on the other hand, are taken for granted by society and regarded as losers until people actually need them for their kids. Only when there's no one of quality to teach our looming surge in new child enrolments Will, general, will the general population scream about why the government has not done anything and will any remedial action occur? 
As for professional collaboration time and time off to attend development courses, get real. The attitude I experienced is that you're paid to teach, which means you stay in front of a class. If we cannot cover you, then forget about any development. Having seen what I have with our attitudes to teachers, I wouldn't touch teaching in its current form with a barge pole. And until society starts to value teachers as dedicated professionals and pays them accordingly, parents will act surprised that their local school is on life support and demand action. It will be far too little, too late, and our next generation of kids will suffer lifelong disadvantage. And I would argue society at large uh, will be poorer for it. Um, then uh, goes on to say uh, they also managed to lose most of their highly experienced daily relief casuals by requiring membership of the teacher's institution and countless hours of expensive accreditation training each year. Now the wine is about lack of casuals. It makes you wonder about the levels of intelligence of the people devising these sorts of foolish policies. Um, and then Debbie Ann says, Australian governments don't listen to teachers for several reasons. One, they only listen to science when it really matters. And what would they know anyway? Public servants, no money. Uh, two, they want to control the they want control of the curriculum. No black armband ideas or truth for our students. And the third, possibly most important one, private schools. Give them the money and the rest will take care of itself. Science, sadly, is a dirty word in Australia unless some rich friend of Murdoch or the current government can see some short-term investment return from it. Other, uh, yeah, she goes on to say she has a dream of not a single private school in the whole of Australia unless that education is paid for by the parent and guardian and no tax dollars at all. Um, she says, uh, Howard deliberately supported private education to create a divided Australia where when everyone except the very wealthy attended their local comprehensive schools, we were all in it together and had a cohesive and assimilated community of multi-ethnic and multi-class and multi-ability, all learning to get on with each other and developing an understanding of each other and building empathy. The LNP would never have been able to pass some of the more totalitarian policies if this was still our education model. I think that's a very interesting one, don't you? Because uh, there's been an ABC um, uh, program about dealing with racism in schools and it was done in the public school. But in fact, it couldn't have been done in a school in which there were only children from the one cultural background because it's only in the public schools, if you think about it, that um, you have all of that wonderful mix of children that uh, you saw in that program. And that's what Lady is saying. And then the only way we can have a cohesive society is to put all of our children in the same school together, the public system. Yeah, well, she goes on to say, who knows what morals, attitudes and character are being developed in those private schools. But experience suggests some are very dubious indeed. Then Michael goes on to say, uh, teachers are so important. Literacy levels in Australia are falling incredibly quickly. The basic ability to express themselves freely is no longer owned by many in their teens and 20s. Take a quick look at the comment section of Everyday Topics on Facebook. Spelling and grammar are lost arts. I'm sure this will lead to increased de depression and relationship problems. Kate says uh, it's probably not going to happen as teachers are regarded as just another part of the gig, gig economy. And with those sorts of pay levels and condition, who wants to be a teacher? For many who decide to do so, it's because they can't get into another course or get another job. Reason 4 sort of answers the question asked in the title uh, about why the government will listen to scientists about COVID but not trust the experts about uh, teaching. Reason says, uh, the answer to your question is obviously that trust in experts is a COVID-only aberration. Climate scientists, the best examples, have clearly been ignored for decades. But honestly, I can't think of another policy area where expertise is even welcomed, let alone the principal determinant of the best way forward. 
forward. We are governed by Trumpist morons. And I think that says it all. Back to you, Jean. Well, thank you very, very much. I think we'll have a bit of a break there and we'll come back and uh, Jeff will be telling us about, uh, well, telling us about where, where parents are at with all of this. Looking for an easy way to keep up with your annual 3CR subscription? You can now set up an annual debit from your bank account or credit card and once a year your payment will be automatically deducted. You can cancel at any time and you'll get a reminder each year before payment. Be a constant supporter of Melbourne's precious independent community radio station and set up a recurring payment today. Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. Well, you're still listening to the Dogs Program and we'll now pass you over to Jeff, who is a parent himself, to talk about uh, how parents are reacting in this uh, COVID-ness times. Over to you, Jeff. Thanks, Jean. And look, I have to say, as a parent, um, I am completely over the moon about the way the teaching staff of a state government um, schools have, have supported our children whilst they're studying at home. Um, there's a lot of people who've had trouble with, with this, um, and I'm sure there's, there's varying results out there for people, but our experience has been nothing but positive. Um, we've had fabulous teachers who've constructed a curriculum very often really quickly um, and have put together an amazing, very simple series of tasks for kids to do um, some simple, some complex. Um, <clears throat> our lad, youngest lad's 13, and he's you know, shooting through several different topics a day. Um, the scheduling's done well. The teachers have been fantastic. We've even had online parent-teacher interviews. We've, um, we've actually had some updates when he hasn't had things in. <laughs> um, and so we actually have more hands-on experience of knowing when we have to crack the whip. So it's, it's really fabulous. Um, I, I see it continuing into the future in some way. <clears throat> but this, um, this is an article appearing in Mamma Mia um, and written by Annalise Dent back in October 8th. And it, it, she tells the story up. She says, I'm the parent of two kids in public school system. Teachers, you are essential. That's the title. And uh, we'd like to say thanks to a brand partner. This is in Mamma Mia, the New South Wales, Te Wales Teachers Federation. I've just finished a full 10-week term home learning in New South Wales with my two primary-aged school children. Other than feeling like I have aged 10 years in 10 weeks, I think we now all fully appreciate the wonderful, difficult and beyond essential job that our teachers do. Now, more than ever, I think we can all agree that public school teachers deserve much more than thanks. They really, truly deserve a pay rise. Reflecting over the last term, other than the realisation that year three maths is most, mostly somewhat beyond my comprehension level, I struggled to captivate and keep the focus of two children. How do they do it with up to 30 kids? And that's just the tip of the iceberg. What about all the preparation, planning, the marking beyond what happens in the classroom? During the last 10 weeks, my six-year-old teacher FaceTimed him when he was struggling with schoolwork. She posted encouraging letters to each kid in her class via snail mail, created Olympic challenge videos in the class stream where her own children competed in challenges for the kids to achieve. The school's kindy teachers filmed a video of them flying paper aeroplanes to each other virtually with positive affirmations for the kids. My eldest son, who quickly showed his teacher his obsession with scooters and skate parks, was given a tailored, comprehensive task all about the history of the first scooters around how and why they were invented. She was able to tap into what individual kids were into, keeping them interested and motivated as best as she possibly can during everyone's difficult circumstances and distractions. For each of their school class rituals missed, seeing how the teachers have organised activities like virtual book week Zooms and interactive guessing games involving all the teachers and their favourite books has helped incredibly to help to keep the kids feeling connected to their community and giggling. 
none more so than the video his teachers created for Jump for Heart Week, where they edited a video together of every teacher skipping in their homes and backyards. The school principal scheduled weekly lunchtime Zooms with the various school classes where they could ask any questions and keep connected. I wonder if the principal skipped as well. (laughs) They even posted daily lockdown leaflets with information for parents to help keep updated and knowing what's going on with the school. The updates we need to know and helpful advice to keep the remote learning afloat. As a school parent, the staff have always shown us incredible support, as have all as have the kids, all while many of the teachers themselves are juggling with their own children at home. I continue to be in awe and grateful and beyond grateful that this public education, which we might usually take for granted, is filled with the most dedicated, compassionate, and passionate teachers that really sacrifice so much of their time and care outside of paid work hours for their job. I'm saddened to know that one in eight teachers leave the profession within the first six years due to factors around the pay and workload pressures. The myth that teachers work cushy hours is just that, a myth. A teacher's job absolutely doesn't end when the school bell rings. They'll have less time than ever because they're often tied up in red tape and admin. It's reported that teachers generally work 55 hours a week or more keep up with higher student needs and constant changes in curriculum and technology. Technology. Grace, a teacher who works at a public school in New South Wales, told Mamma Mia, with increasing number of compliance hoops we jump through, we need, to, we need more time to complete planning, marking and administration on top of a full teaching load. It feels like it can only be relieved by employing more teachers to either reduce class sizes or give teachers more time off class to complete it all. While teachers continue to speak out about these burdens, the problem is yet to be resolved. In fact, there seems to be little benefit for those teachers who do stay in the profession long term. A teacher's pay doesn't actually rise that much with age or expertise. The pay scale for a classroom teacher stops rising after about nine years, while the incomes of their university-educated peers and other professions keep rising well into the next two or three more or more decades. If we want our kids to have high-quality education, we need high-quality teachers that join and feel that they are recognised enough to stay in the profession. Increasing pay means that teachers feel valued for the huge job they do, and that is clearly important for keeping teachers in the profession and attracting brilliant ones, Grace stressed. Our public school teachers are doing more than ever, but their pay hasn't kept up. That means our teacher shortage is real. There are now more than 1,000 full-time teacher vacancies in New South Wales alone, a record student and record student involvements over the next decade are forecasting we're going to need 11,000 more teachers. So well, how there's, can been we... quite, there's been quite a few schools that have actually gone on strike because they haven't got enough teachers now. Absolutely. So imagine what it's going to be like. Hmm. The pay peanuts you get monkey uh, dictum of the, uh, you know, it holds. Uh, but the monkeys in this case aren't monkeys. They're highly skilled people and they only do it because they're so dedicated. Um, we are so we should be so thankful to them for even staying where they are. They're so skilled. They're the best of the best. So how can we attract great, coming back to the article, how can we attract great up-and-coming teachers in the future? And importantly, how can we actually keep them? The New South Wales Teachers Federation has just launched a campaign to give our public school teachers a well-earned pay rise and change their workload so they have more time for students and for our kids. They commissioned a former West Australian Premier, Jeff Gallup, to conduct an independent review of teachers' work and had uncovered some key recommendations. Increased teachers' salaries by 10 to 15% over two years to attract and keep great teachers. Give teachers more time for lesson planning, marking and collaboration. Increase the number of school counsellors so no child in crisis is forced to wait or for help. Restore specialist support services and decrease admin to free up teachers so they can concentrate more on teaching and learning because we honestly can't afford to keep losing good teachers. Better pay and conditions mean a better education for our kids. Every child has the right to a good education regardless of whether they can afford to pay for one. Michelle explained to Mamma Mia why she chooses to continue with her role as a primary school teacher in a public school despite the various challenges. Teaching is definitely a job you do for the love, not for the accolades. The excitement and love of learning is the reason you do the job, she asked, she added. After only 10 weeks of remote schooling with my own children, I have never been more certain that our teachers deserve more than just a thanks 
some hand cream and a smelly candle at Christmas. They deserve so much more, as do our kids and the future generations of little learning minds. So thank you very much. Um, it's a very good article, isn't it? Uh, it is. From yeah. And uh, I think that the situation is actually quite dire, but the people up in New South Wales are prepared to fight. And we hope that uh, the people down here in Victoria will do likewise. But we'll have a bit of a break and we'll come back with some more interesting material. Housing for the Aged Action Group has gone digital to help stop the spread of the coronavirus, but we're still here. If you're over 50 years old and having problems with your housing, we can help. If you're having trouble paying the rent, problems with your retirement village manager or concerned about your caravan park, give us a call on 1300 765 178. We can also help connect you with aged care services and emergency relief if you need it. Stay safe, everyone. Well, you're still listening to the DOGS program and we're here to defend public education. But there's large numbers of middle-class parents who've just been through the pandemic who've decided to move to the country. And um, as, in, as in the city, when they go to the country, they look for good schools and they're not interested in the private schools, they're interested in the public schools. They still have to pay some fees, but they don't have to pay thousands and thousands because they will be going there to pay mortgages anyway. And what's happening is that the values of housing in the zones or the good state schools are skyrocketing. Over to you, Dale, with a few facts and figures about uh, real estate. Thanks, Jean. Yeah, it's a shame to have to talk about real estate when we're talking about education, but that's how Australian education works. Uh, regional Victorian school zones record soaring house price growth. Uh, in this report, uh, it says uh, house prices in regional Victoria school catchments have soared by as much as $180,000 in the space of one year, with prices across 30 school zones rising by at least 30% due to tree changing families and upgrading locals, new analysis shows. Lockdown Melburnians have been moving to the country in search of more space throughout the pandemic, keeping in mind access to sought after primary and high schools and competing with locals looking for their next move. Buyers have been taking advantage of low interest rates after extended stay-at-home orders and the rise of remote work working prompted many Victorians to rethink their living situations. House, house prices rose fastest in the Mansfield Primary School catchment, up to an eye-watering 45% in the year to July to a median $580,000, the annual Domain School Zones report found from what was previous in the previous year, just $400,000. Price rises of more than 40% were recorded in the school zones of Horsham West and Haven Primary School, uh, uh, White Hills Primary School in Bendigo, Strathfield Sea Primary, Primary School in Bendigo, Kahuna Secondary College, uh, Maui South Street Primary School and Ballarat High School. So um, say Mansfield Primary in Mansfield, uh, yeah, the uh, annual change was 45%, so going from 400 to 580,000. Uh, Horsham West and Haven Primary School in Horsham was the uh, was 44.9%, so going from 245,000 to 355,000. This is all in the space of a year. Uh, White Hills Primary School uh, in White Hills, house prices went up. 42.9 percent, so from 315,000 to 450,000. Uh, Strathfieldsy Primary School and Strath Strathfieldsy, uh, again 40 percent, 40.5 percent. So from 462,500 dollars to 650,000. Kahuna Secondary College in Kahuna, again 40.5 percent increase uh, from 185,000 to 
260,000. Uh, Moi South Street Primary in Moi, uh, 40.4%, uh, from $190,000 to $271,000. Ballarat High School, Ballarat, 40.2%. So a house was 351,000 last year, now 492,000. Uh, Port Ferry Consolidated School in Port Ferry, 39.9%. So for, from 557,000, went up to 780,000, all in the space of a year. Mount Beauty Secondary College in Mount Beauty went from, uh, again, 39.9%, so 380,000 to $531,500. And Echuca Twins, Twin Rivers Primary in Echuca, uh, Again, 39.7% increase, so it went from 365000 to 510000 for a house in those state school catchment areas. Eye-watering. It is, isn't it? Uh, because the middle classes uh, in, in Australia are working out that private education is just not worth it, so they shop around uh, for a good state school, and there's obviously plenty of them but it is affecting uh, the real estate. Uh, yes, we have, it's a very sad situation, really, isn't it? But um, we'll have a little bit of a break and uh, we'll come back. Uh, and uh, Sorrel has got um, something to tell us about the enrolment growth in New South Wales. We don't have the figures for Victoria, but I suspect that it's very similar. Teachers have had their qualifications, their pay, their pensions, and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. I'm a proud product of a government funded primary school education and of a government funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world, and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's simply not good enough that kids with disability miss out. You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. Well, you're still listening to The Dogs program and here is Sol uh, with something from the New South Wales Teachers Federation, Angelo Gabrielatis, about the situation in Western Sydney, not just about COVID, but actually about a lack of teachers. Over to you, um, Sorrel. Thank you, Jean. Uh, state in race to find teachers to meet enrolment crunch. The New South Wales Teachers Federation. The forecast leap in student enrolments in the next 15 years has put New South Wales in a race to guarantee the education of a whole generation of children in West and Southwestern Sydney, new research for the Federation has found. The study reveals enrolment will soar to the extent that between 12,400 and 18,600 additional full-time equivalent teachers will be required in New South Wales public, primary and secondary schools by 2036. The New South Wales Teachers Federation President Angelo Gabrielatos says the report's projections were simply alarming. As it stands today, classes are being combined, students are given only minimal supervision, and teachers are teaching outside their area of expertise in hundreds of schools across New South Wales due to the already existing teacher shortages. It is a matter of urgency as this report confirms the crisis is only going to get worse and it even calls for intermediate measures to be head off the projected staff numbers crunch in the future. The report by education economist Adam Roris identified 11 high-growth LGAs, mainly in Western and Southwestern Sydney, projected to experience public school enrolment growth in excess of 5,000 students each by 2036. Using confidential Department of Education projections, the research identified five supergrowth LGAs where enrolments would exceed 15,000 students each. By those calculations, the Cumberland LGA would require 1,448 additional teachers by 2036, an increase of 90% on the present teacher numbers in the area. 
Likewise, amongst the other supergrowth LGAs, Blacktown would require 1,381 additional teachers, Parramatta 1,347, Liverpool 1,146, Canterbury-Bankstown 1,170, uh, for a total of 6,493 additional teachers needed across the five regions. The projected number of teachers required does not take into account the existing widespread shortages that have driven members to take stop work actions across the state. The growth in demand for teachers in outer Sydney will also have significant negative impact on teacher supply in rural and remote New South Wales, which is already struggling for teachers. The size of enrolment increases within the coming years means that New South Wales is in a race to safeguard the right of all children to be taught by a qualified teacher, Mr Gabriel Archer said. Secret department briefings reveal the need to reverse uncompetitive salaries and crippling workloads, which are an active disincentive for young people entering the profession. The report called on the state and federal governments to make the immediate large-scale increase in the teaching force for these priority and high-need LGAs as a key policy target. Getting in early can only help remediate the educational challenges that have been exposed and deepened by the COVID-19 pandemic, it stated. It will leave these schools with a more manageable task for developing quality of learning. The alternative is those schools being abandoned to soaring enrolment growth, coupled with a cohort of learners already battered and left behind by COVID-19. To head off the emergency, the report recommends immediate growth in the teaching force in supergrowth LGAs of 3,250 FTE teachers. The New South Wales government needs to commit to employing in 2022 and 2023, approximately 50% of the projected additional teachers to be required by public schools by 2036, approximately 3,250 additional FTE teachers by 2023 across the primary and secondary schools, the report states. Well, this is very much like the 1960s with the baby boom when they hit the uh, schools. Um, and uh, they, they actually... Um, produced teachers that were two-year, not four-year trained for the high schools. But some of them were tremendous teachers and they had to go back and do um, their university course at night if they were going to get any kind of promotion. So New South Wales and Victoria too have been here before and this could have been avoided if there had been uh, some kind of uh, projection um, and planning. But um, unfortunately... The uh, people in Canberra and also in um, New South Wales are more interested in the culture wars than they are in actually educating our children. But uh, we'll have a little bit of a break because we're coming now to our great state school. Every week on the Doctor Programme we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great schools. School of the week. State school. School of the week. Great state schools. State schools. School of the week. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. And this week's great state school is Ballarat High School. Congratulations, Ballarat High School. Founded in 1907 as Ballarat Agricultural College, Ballarat High School has a long tradition of pursuing and recognising excellence under their long-standing motto of duty always. Their ethos is further supported through their core values of pride, respect and responsibility. Ballarat High School is a 7 to 12 educational community with a strong focus on quality outcomes for all students. They've conducted significant research, which tells them that student-teacher relationships are critical to success. This has led to the development of structures which allow teachers longer blocks of time with students. At year seven to eight, students work with only two core staff with extended time allocations to deliver English, humanities, maths, and science. This allows staff to truly get to know their students and include personal learning as part of their core curriculum. Students also undertake Japanese or German in a range of technology and arts electives, including their award-winning classroom music program. 
Since 1996, the school has been a specialist sports school. In addition, the school is a participating member of the Ballarat Associated Schools, and this provides opportunities for students to participate in a wide range of after-school and weekend sporting opportunities. The school also offers instrumental music, both as a classroom and extracurricular activity, and there are year seven, year eight, intermediate, senior, and two-stage bands. The strong also has a strong de- the school also has a strong debating program and they compete at regional and state levels. The school has sister schools in Germany and Japan and exchanges of students take place each year with students having the opportunity to join a three-week study tour of either Japan or Germany and study tours alternate between years. The care of students to support high learning outcomes is their priority. Team leaders and teachers take a personal interest in the progress of their students. Students are made aware of the school's ethos and values upon commencement, and these guide the whole school community. According to the My School website, 41% of last year's Year 12 students went to went to, went to university, wow. 16% to CAFE, yeah, and 18% um, percent found employment. How awesome is that? That's a lot. Yeah. And yeah, some stats for you. The school is quite big with a resulting wide curriculum. There are 1,417 pupils. 656 boys and 761 girls. Its ICSIA value is 1,007, which is just above average. Only 12% of student families have an income in the upper quartile, but 23% are from the second quartile, 32% from the third, and 33% are from disadvantaged families. That's a a, a really strong um, uni outcome for some really disadvantaged students. It's amazing. Mm, mm. And you'd put it down to teachers. And the community, yeah. Um, The Australian government provides $3.9 million and the state $15.1 million. The parents paid uh, $700 per student in fees and raised $775,000 in 2020. All in all, it costs $14,000 to educate a child at this secondary school. Bargain. Their NAPLAN results are just fine, although their spelling results are a bit below average. Thank you so much, Ballarat High School. You are our great state school of this week. (laughs) And if you'd like to find out more about the dogs, uh, you can find out more at our website at www.adogs.info. But I'll pass it back to Jean to say goodbye. Bye for now. Bye for now.
Says he. 